menace. You ought to be certified. Ah, Sir Roderick. How dare you play that hideous musical instrument in a respectable block of flats? Are you aware that Mrs. Tinkler Mulk in the flat below is one of my patients? A woman in a highly nervous condition? Spare me the gossip from the loony bin. Might I inquire if you are aware that Mrs. Tinkler Mulk owns a Pomeranian? This animal yaps all day and far into the night. Sir, Mrs. Tinkler Mulk has the nerve to complain of my banjo lele, has she? Ha! Let her first pluck out the pom which is in her own eye. That is your final word, is it? My art must come first. You will hear more of this. And Mrs. Tinkler Mook will hear more of this. Jeeves. Sir. There's been a spot of trouble. Indeed, sir. Complaints have been lodged. The building manager says I must either chuck playing the banjo or clear out. Indeed, sir. So be it. I leave them without a pang. I fear you will encounter a similar hostility elsewhere, sir. It is my intention to retire to the country. There I shall take a cottage and resume my studies. A cottage? A cottage, Jeeves. In that case, I fear I must give my notice. Jeeves, did I hear you correctly? You actually contemplate leaving my entourage? Only with the greatest reluctance, sir. But if it is your intention to play that instrument within the narrow confines of a country cottage... Am I to understand that you dislike this banjo Yes, sir. <laughs> I fear if it is really your intention to continue playing that instrument, I have no option but to leave. You mean this, Jeeves? Yes, sir. What? Well, then leave, dash it. Very good, sir. Though I did not care to think what existence would be like without Jeeves, I had no thought of weakening as I strode out into the streets of London. Oh, what ho, Chuffy! What ho, Bertie? Have I ever told you about Chuffy, the uh, fifth Baron Chuffnell, whose Aunt Myrtle I had seen with Glossop the previous night at the Savoy. Now stop me if I have. Well, he owns an enormous great place in Somersetshire called Chuffnell Hall. Now, like most fellows who own land, he only lives at the hall because he can't afford to live anywhere else. But as he also owns the village of Chuffnell Regis, he would doubtless have dozens of cottages at his disposal. Chaffey, you're the very chap I wanted to see. Come along to the Drones Club with me. I can put a bit of business your way. Oh, I'd like it, Bertie, but I'm due at the Carlton in five minutes. I'm lunching with Sir Roderick Glossop. Sir Roderick Glossop? Yes. He's a great friend of my Aunt Myrtle's and he's got some sort of business proposition he wants to discuss. I'll dine with you tomorrow night. Oh, sorry, Chaffey. I'm leaving London tomorrow. You are? Yes, I'm going into exile in the country. Have you a secluded cottage I could rent? I've got one on the edge of the harbour and no one within a mile except Police Sergeant Vool. Fine. I shall be playing the banjo a good deal. Oh? Well, there's a troupe of American hillbilly musicians down there this year. You could perhaps study their technique. Thanks, Chaffee. It sounds like heaven. By the way, what has Jeeves got to say about all this? I shouldn't have thought he'd care to leave London. Jeeves has nothing to say on that or any other subject. We have parted. What? Yes. He had the immortal rhyme to tell me that if I didn't give up my banjo he would resign. I accepted his portfolio. You've really let him go? You can push a Worcester just so far. Well, well. Well, um, any objection to my looking in and saying goodbye to him? None whatever. right -o. I'll pop round to your flat after lunch. I was conscious of a strange moodiness as I returned to the flat. Jeeves was about to go out of my life. There had never been anyone like Jeeves, I felt, and there never would be. 
I came to a swift decision. Jeeves, a word. Sir. Jeeves, I have been thinking things over, and I have come to the conclusion that we've both been hasty. Let us forget the past. You may stay on. Oh, it's very kind of you, sir. But are you still proposing to continue the study of that instrument? Yes, Jeeves, I am. Then I fear, sir... Very good, Jeeves. That is all. I will, of course, give you an excellent recommendation. Oh, that'll not be necessary, sir. This afternoon I entered the employment of Lord Chuffnall. Chuffy? Well, it may interest you to know that I repair to Chuffnall Regis tomorrow. I've taken a cottage there. Indeed, sir. We shall meet at Philippi, Jeeves. Or am I thinking some other spot? No, sir. Philippi is correct. Very good, Jeeves. Very good, sir. And so it was that five days later, I was standing in the door of Seaview Cottage, Chuffnell Regis, surveying the scene. Across the hedge, Brinkley, my new man, was chatting with our neighbour, Police Sergeant Bulls. And just beyond, one espied the harbour in which had recently cast anchor a whacking great yacht. Suddenly, my pastoral reverie was interrupted by the sight of Chuffy's cousin, repulsive young Seabury, coming down the walk. Now, little Seabury, I've always felt, is a child that should have been strangled at birth. Hello. What ho? You've to come to lunch at the hall. Oh, is Chuffy back then? Yes. Shall we be lunching alone? No. Who's going to be there? Some people. Ah. Mother and me are living at Chuffnell Hall again. What? Yes. There's a smell at the Dower House. But even though you've left it? You needn't try to be funny. Mother thinks it's the drains. Can you give me five shillings? What do you mean, five shillings? I want five shillings. I dare say, but why the dickens should I give it to you? For protection. From what? Well, things happen to guys that don't kick in their protection money. Ah. And on this note of mystery, we arrived at Chuffnell Hall, whereupon the kid vanished and I perceived Chuffy standing on the steps. Hello, Bertie. I say, Chuffy, young blighted Seabury's gone off his rocker. He's just been trying to touch me for five bob and babbling about protection. Oh, yes, that. He's been seeing gangster films. He goes around collecting protection money from everybody. Enterprising kid. I'd pay up if I were you. I have. Good Lord. I say, Bertie, can you keep a secret? No. Well, it doesn't matter. It'll be in the Morning Post in a day or two. Bertie, I'm marrying Aunt Myrtle off this season. What? You mean somebody wants to marry her? Who is this halfwit? Your old friend, Sir Roderick Glossop. What? Well, I'm dashed. Do you know why Sir Roderick wanted to see me so urgently that day in London? Why? He's found an American millionaire he thinks he can sell the hall to. He's a great pal of Glossop's, and the idea is that he shall put up the cash and let Glossop run the place as a sort of country club for his nerve patients. If all goes well, I shall at last get rid of this blasted barracks and have a bit of money in my pocket. He's coming to lunch today. Sure to soften up a good bit after a fat lunch, isn't he? Well, unless he's got dyspepsia, many American millionaires have. Not Jay Washburn Stoker. Jay Washburn Stoker? <laughs> Hello! Hello! Here we are now. Hello, hello, hello. A car had drawn up, and passenger A was Sir Roderick Glossop. Passengers B, C and D were J. Washburn Stoker, his daughter Pauline, and his young son, Dwight. How are you, Sir Roderick? Mr. Stoker? Uh, good morning, Miss Stoker. May I introduce my friend, Bertie Wooster? I must say, I was pretty well at Twitter. Old Glossop was glaring at me. Old Stoker was glaring at me. Only Pauline appeared as cool as an oyster on the half-shell. Well, well, well. 
Fancy finding you here, Bertie, you little blob of sunshine. You're looking fine. Don't you think he's looking lovely, Father? I didn't know you knew these people, Bertie. Oh, I met them in New York. You saw something of Miss Stoker there? A little. I thought her manner seemed rather warm. Oh, no, it's about normal. She goes on like that with everyone. She does? Oh, yes, she's big-hearted, you see. She has got a delightful, impulsive, generous, spontaneous, genuine nature, hasn't she? Oh, quite. Beautiful girl, Bertie. I saw a good deal of her in London. Yes. And uh, how does she feel about this buying-the-house binge? Oh, she's all for it. It's her father that makes me nervous. Yes, I know what you mean. He's not very fond of me. In fact, it might be better if I didn't join the throng at luncheon. Well, if the sight of you is going to infuriate him, what's he got against you? Oh, just one of those unreasonable antipathies. Well, I'm glad you told me. Now, I suppose I had better join the party. Anything strike you about Chaffee's conversation regarding Pauline Stoker just then? It seemed to me that his expression when speaking of her was that of a stuffed frog, with a touch of the soul's awakening about it. Bertie, how perfectly extraordinary finding you here. What are you doing in these parts? Uh, I needed a place where I could play the banjolele in solitude, so I took the cottage down by the harbour. Father was certainly surprised to see you. He's convinced I'm still pining for you. Oh, you don't mean that. Oh, yes, I do. He sees himself as a stern Victorian father exercising ceaseless vigilance to keep the young lovers from getting together again. <laughs> Little knowing that you never had... A